This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. The legends are true! But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny! Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor BJ Colangelo. Hi, hi, hiya. All right, BJ, before we get into it, I wanted to mention a couple things. One, there's a public service announcement that I want to make right now. Casablanca is going to be in select AMC theaters tomorrow night. Evidently, it was a two-night thing through their uh, like Fathom Events sort of situation. And one of the nights was, I think, this past Sunday. And I learned about this like an hour after the the screening was going to happen. But I, <laughs> I learned about it in time to get tickets to see it in theaters tomorrow night. So uh, I don't know when our listeners are going to be listening to this episode, but in the event that you listen to it and still have time and are interested, I wanted to put that out there because I've never seen Cast Blank on the big screen before, and I thought it was a cool opportunity to check out, like, frankly, one of the greatest movies ever made uh, in a really, really cool environment. So um, have you ever seen, uh, like, an old movie like that on the big screen in, in, like, a revival setting or anything, BJ? So luckily, because I live in Los Angeles, I have access to the New Beverly Theater, uh, which is, you know, the the old theater that Quentin Tarantino runs. So I get to see a lot of older movies on the big screen, which is really cool. And I very much recommend anybody, if you have the chance to do it, that is it's something that you think, oh, this isn't going to be a big deal. I've seen this movie a hundred times. It really does change the experience and the way that a movie just affects you when it's that big, no matter how many times you've seen it, no matter how old it is. I, yeah, do it. I am all about seeing revival screenings. <laughs> awesome. Uh, okay, so the other thing that I wanted to mention really quick is that there was some big Star Wars news that came out today. I'm not going to really dive into this right now. I'm going to leave it for Peter and Ryan, who are both bigger Star Wars fans than I think <laughs> me or BJ, it's probably mm-hmm. fair to say. Uh, but just to, to mention it, I feel like I would be you know, uh, derelict in our duty, BJ, if I didn't just mention this <laughs> at the top of the episode, which is that uh, Kevin Feige's um, Star Wars movie that, that he had been 
developing for a long time evidently is no longer in active development. And the same thing goes for Patty Jenkins movie, the um, Rogue Squadron movie that has been on and off for a long time. I think since December 2020 was when that was originally announced. And then uh, Taika Waititi's movie is actually still in development and he is looking to uh, play a role in that movie. So that that's the, the basic outline of the news. I just wanted to sort of let people know about that. I'll, I'll actually put the link to our article at slashfilm.com and in today's show notes. And Peter and Ryan, I'm sure we'll talk about this in more oh, depth totally. uh, tomorrow about what it all means and all that stuff. But I just wanted to put that out there at the top of today's show. So with all of that said, let's get into what we've been watching. What have you been checking out recently, BJ? I have been doing a lot of TV binge watching. Um, the first one being uh, a revisit of Party Down seasons one and two uh, because the the new season is out and my wife never saw Party Down. So I wanted to show it to her. And that show feels so painfully relevant all these years later in ways that make me kind of uncomfortable and have a small existential crisis a bit. (laughs) Um, I feel like Party Down was one of those perfect shows uh, for a lot of us who maybe graduated right into the recession uh, of 2008-2009. And I think honestly bringing back the third season now also feels quite appropriate because ultimately it's a show about people who are like, oh, this is just my side gig until I finally get to do the thing I want to do. And a lot of people I think end up getting sucked into the world of those side gigs and those side gigs become your only gig. And how do you Mm -hmm. navigate that? Um, And to, to be able to navigate such a difficult subject matter, but also be able to do it with, an all-star cast and tons of laughs, I think is really impressive. That's awesome. I, I was scared uh, that you're going to say that it doesn't hold up because I have not revisited the show. I, I think I just watched it once all the way through, probably in like 2013 or so. I'm, I definitely missed it the first time around. Um, but I remember having really fond memories of the, those first two seasons. And uh, I just noticed on Hulu um, that the first two seasons are there. The, the third season just came out recently. It's on Stars right now. But the mm-hmm. first two seasons are still available on Hulu, but only for the next nine days. So if you're looking yeah. <laughs> to watch it on Hulu and you don't have it on physical media or something, uh, you've, you've got nine days to check it out. Unless you watched it somewhere else, BJ. Do you know if it's streaming anywhere else? So they do have it all on stars as well. Um, okay. But so I've been going back and forth. It's just, honestly, it's just if I'm lazy, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, I just got done watching Bob's Burgers. Guess I'll watch Party Down on Hulu instead of switching over the app, which takes, you know, <laughs> three more clicks. Um, but it does hold up surprisingly well. Um, obviously, it, it's difficult when you say like, oh, it holds up because there are some aspects of it that, you know, I think through a 2023 lens, people are like, oh, maybe that could have been phrased differently or that could have been worded differently. But even the characters, like especially Roman played by Martin Starr, when he says things that are wildly out of pocket, the show never like gives him a pass on it. When he says something that's inappropriate or offensive, the show acknowledges that what he's saying is inappropriate or offensive. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it like it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's like the whole thing with with comedy especially. It's it's so tough to make comedy that stands the test of time and like uh withstands the um ever-changing social mores and like, you know, it, it's just like almost an impossible thing to to even do. So so I think more than any other genre comedy like almost has to be you almost have to like put yourself in that mindset of like judging it for the period when it came out you know um it's just a a really important way to look at that stuff i think anyway but oh i'm right there with you i think uh the two genres that you see it the most in are 
uh, comedy and coming of age stories because both of them are trying to capture what is the hotness right then and there. They're usually not thinking about being timeless. Um, so in a weird way, they do become time capsules of what our sensibilities were at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, okay, what else have you been checking out recently? Um, so I am really bad about watching shows when they actually come out, uh, but there are only a couple of them that I have, they have become like scheduled as part of my life. And one of them is Abbott Elementary, which I have been championing since it came out. Um, it speaks to me very deeply as somebody who used to teach in the very broken uh, public school system in underfunded communities. I taught um, in Cleveland. Um, Cleveland and Philadelphia have a lot of similarities in, in their public school appear uh in their public school uh problems so on that level it speaks to me but just overall it is one of the sharpest and like most effortlessly written comedies like on tv right now like quinta brinson is a genius because it's every episode is just full of new quotable lines the characters are so well developed and oh God, it's a blast. And like, I wish more people <laughs> were watching it. Like it's obviously very, very popular, but the amount of people that I talk to every day that are like, yeah, I've been meaning to get around to see that. I'm like, what? What do you mean you've been meaning to? It's incredible. Yeah, yeah I, I was a little late to it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I probably jumped on, I don't know, six episodes in or something like that. And and that felt like I was behind the times because this is one of those shows that were just like fired out of the gate, you know, from the beginning and people were really loving it and really championing it from the beginning. But, um, you know, I, I think part of my hesitation was just it's a network comedy. Like, how good can it be? Um, you know, mm -hmm. typically network comedies these days are not at the the sort of forefront of the cultural conversation the way that they used to be. And, uh, you know, obviously with, with streaming everything, the, the sort of prestige element has has um, drawn and attracted eyeballs elsewhere. But Abbott Elementary really is like the, uh, you know, it, it, it I, I would put it up against any show, basically, because it's so good on on every level, like the performances, the writing, the direction, everything. It's just like, you know, it, it, it is it deserves to be a contender for the sort of um, the, the crown of what, you know, what the best TV shows on the air right now are. And I'm so glad you brought up the fact that it's a network comedy because like when you look at kind of the award scene, cause we, you know, we're deep into award season. Um, you think about comedies and it's like, okay, Ted Lasso and the white Lotus and hacks, these are all prestige comedies. And then you have Ab at elementary, which it feels like, like the little comedy series that could, I mean, they have much longer episode turnarounds. They have a completely different way of writing, filming, releasing, everything is different and it is holding, its own against you know like a show like hacks on, on mm -hmm. hbo and that's incredible yeah great stuff yeah i, I mean uh listen regular longtime listeners of the show will, will remember that just recently I, I put uh on on this very podcast an, an interview that i did with um justin halpern and patrick shoemaker who are the uh i guess co-eps of the show alongside quinta brunson and that was a great conversation i, I really enjoyed that and so if you if you missed that go back and listen because uh, there's some great stuff in there about Abbott Elementary and uh, the Harley Quinn show on HBO Max, which also rules. So um, what else have you been watching, BJ? 
And the other big thing that I watched this week was I rewatched The Warriors for probably the hundredth time. Um, I am a huge advocate of both Pluto TV and Tubi TV. And very frequently I will just like turn on the app and it's just like, well, what is Pluto telling me I'm watching today? Because (laughs) there are so many live channels. And um, my wife also wakes about an hour than me. So it's not uncommon that I'll wake up at like eight in the morning and she's just been sitting out here watching like, a martial arts movie or some sort of exploitation film because that's where they all live. Um, but I, that's what happened is I woke up and it was like eight in the morning and the warriors was just starting. And I'm like, you're just watching the warriors at eight in the morning. She's like, yeah, why not? So, it up. Uh, so I sat down and I watched the warriors and yeah, it's still an amazing film. Uh, it's just absolutely wonderful and so cool and everything about it is what i love about movies like it's gritty it's fun there's good costume design it's shot cool the fights are fun it's intense uh big characters i just really loved it but the the main thing that i took away from this most recent watch is um have you been seeing the advertisements for uh grease rise of the pink ladies for paramount plus uh, I think I saw like a teaser trailer or something, but I've not um, gone down that rabbit hole fully. So basically it is a prequel series um, about like the, the formation of the pink ladies in the Grease universe. But what's really, I, I, I'm very curious to see how they're going to approach it because they are being far more inclusive about it where we are seeing characters that are people of color, some that are visibly queer characters, Um the reason I have pause is that it's a prequel series, which means something happened between the prequel series and the Grease movies where suddenly people of color and queer people weren't allowed to be in the Pink Ladies anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how they're going to make that work. Uh, but in thinking about that, I was like, well, if they wanted to have a series like that where it's taking existing IP, it's something people love, but making it inclusive and making it very like female forward why are we not getting like a Lizzie's spinoff series, the girl gang from the warriors? Cause they are super cool. They're really scary and they're intersectional and that rules like it's right there. Like it's anybody just pick it up, use that IP and make a really cool series that people will love to watch. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, I'm truly shocked that this has not been a thing. I, I want to say like, I don't remember if this predates my uh, joining Slash Film. Maybe it was just because I've been reading Slash Film since I think 2005 when it started. Um, I don't remember this. This was something that I, I read or something that I even wrote. But I want to say that there were there was talk of a remake of The Warriors for many many years. I don't remember if the if the um, nail has been, has finally been put in the coffin on that. If it's really like truly done or if it's still sort of hanging out in development hell or what exactly the deal is there. But yeah, that I mean, I, I I didn't really think about it because I uh, the Warriors is not a movie that I've seen a hundred times. I've probably only seen it twice, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, watching it with that idea of like if everything is being mined for IP, why not mine some cool stuff and put a cool spin on it? That makes a lot of sense to me. Right. I mean, and there's so many different gangs. Like you could turn this into a mini series and have each episode focus on each different gang. Like there are so many things you could do with the Warriors, and it just feels like. As much as I would love everything to be original, that's not the world we live in anymore. Mm -hmm. And I've accepted that. I've mourned my time. If we're going to be mining through IP, yes, you you said it best. Why aren't we mining through things that are cool? (laughs) Well, I'm going to vote that we cut that entire part out of this podcast, BJ, just so you can go and pitch this idea around town yourself. Um, So you can... can (laughs) Hey, I already uh... tweeted it. It's in the public. It's there. (laughs) All right. We'll leave it in for the listeners then. 
Uh, okay, before we move on any further, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. All right, I wanted to mention three things that I watched recently. Um, I guess I'll just mention Creed 3 up top. I really, really, really liked this movie. I did not particularly care for Creed 2. I, I almost couldn't remember anything that happened about it or, or in it, except for like a diner uh, confrontation between Rocky and Ivan Drago all these years later. Um, but I could not tell you anything that happened to the Creed character or the Tessa Thompson, Bianca character. Uh, I, yeah, it was just basically like mind wipe. Um, so I, I was looking forward to, to Creed 3, uh, but I came away really loving this. I think this might be my favorite movie in the Creed uh, of the Creed trilogy so far, which is saying a lot because I really, really like the first one a lot. That um, is such high praise. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the I feel like the, a huge part of the conversation around this movie has been Michael B. Jordan's love of anime. And um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish some of that was like a little bit more evident even in the fight sequences. It's definitely there. I, I'm not uh, super fluent in anime. I've, I've dabbled occasionally. I've seen the Miyazaki movies and, and watched one season of Dragon Ball Z. That's about the extent <laughs> of my anime knowledge. Um, but uh, you can definitely see that he put a lot of uh, love and care into um, chore- uh, choreographing the uh, boxing sequences, which, you know, in a lot of other movies could just be the part where you turn your brain off because it's just, you know, one person throwing a haymaker and then another person throwing a haymaker and it's just back and forth for five minutes and you look at your watch and just wait until that part's over and you get to the drama again. He definitely is not doing that in this movie. It's, it's much more, um, you know, every fight means something uh it's it's uh action through character it's exactly the stuff that you want to see the approach that you want taken in a movie like this um and jonathan majors man like what else can you say about this guy yeah he's just absolutely crushing it yeah he's terrific he's he brings such a a a sort of haunted intensity to the performance in in this movie and i know people like to bag on michael b jordan a little bit as an actor but i thought he was great in this too um so i love michael um, b jordan i really don't understand the hate and i do love like you brought up his love of anime i know that he uh, has said in interviews that jonathan majors had to watch a bunch of anime beforehand and i I think it was Dragon Ball Z and Naruto. And that makes me really happy. Just picturing like <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Majors, like holding a little phone watching Naruto. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but he does some super interesting stuff, especially with the the final uh, climactic fight. I really loved, I was like all on board with the, the um, visual uh, approach that he took there and the sort of the creative risks really that, that he took with um, framing the movie in the way that he chose to frame it. So uh, I'm a big, big fan of Creed 3 and really encourage people to go check it out because I think it's terrific. So um, that movie is awesome. And then you mentioned some martial arts stuff earlier, BJ. I've I've been going on a little bit of a mini martial arts kick. Uh, No pun intended. (laughs) Um, I watched uh, Police Story 3 Super Cop and the, (laughs) the Heroic Trio, both of which are available on the Criterion uh, channel right now under a new um, I guess like sub group of uh, featured movies that, that's like a collection called Michelle Yeoh kicks ass um, which has a bunch of her movies in there and I've been wanting to see uh, Super Cop um, as it was released in the US for a long time because I, I watched the first two police story movies a couple years ago uh, and was just blown away by like the the physicality of Jackie Chan in those movies and and the the um, you know what he was able to actually do as opposed to uh, you know, it's just that that whole Hong Kong 
uh, style of like really doing things were real and the danger that was present and all of that. And you can really feel it. And, and it's just incredible, like jaw dropping stuff. And I, I was excited to watch this. And because Michelle Yeoh appears in this franchise for the first time in this, in this third movie, and really for the first 80% of the movie, I was kind of not bored, but not nearly as engaged as I was in the first two movies. And I think it's because the action scenes are not as um, well spread out as they are in those first two films. And I was like, man, this is my least favorite movie in this franchise. What a bummer. Uh, I don't know why people talk so highly about this movie. And then I got to the final like set pieces and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why. Okay. Yep. They were saving <laughs> all of it for the end. And this movie has one of the greatest endings. It is just like incredible. The action escalates in this wonderful way. And man, talk about like doing stuff for real. It is unbelievable. The stuff that, that is pulled off in this action sequence. It, I'll just... I don't even want to describe it because I really want people to go check this out. And and if you don't have a Criterion collection uh, or a Criterion channel and, and don't want to rent or buy this movie elsewhere, I'm, I'm sure you can probably find like the highlights on YouTube somewhere. Um, you know, if that's the only way that you want to do this, go for it. But I just want people to see what happens here because Michelle Yeoh does some stuff on a, on a dirt bike that kind of blew my mind. There's a helicopter and a train and the way that those two things collide uh, man, really, really wild stuff. So, um, it sounds like you've seen this movie. It sounds like you're a fan of it. Is that right? Oh yeah. Uh, I am a hardcore Michelle Yeoh fan, um, have been for much of my life and my love started with Yes, Madam, which I think is also part of this collection. It is. Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh my, your face is going to melt off because it's Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock, like two of my favorite like action heroes ever. Uh, that movie rules. Uh, but yes, uh, anything, <laughs> anything Jackie Chan of like this era of his career is just the coolest thing. Like, and I, I'm glad that you pointed out that it is all safe for last because this happens a lot in, I think, a lot of these movies where there's so much exposition that you kind of don't care about because you know who's in this and all you want is for the fights to happen. And then when they do happen, it's like, yeah, that was worth it. That was worth sitting through all of the yeah. stuff I don't care about. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then have you seen the ho the heroic trio? Do you know this I have. movie? Yes. Okay. okay. Because this is also Michelle Yeoh and Maggie Chung. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. Um, and Maggie Chung plays uh, Jackie Chan's character's girlfriend in the police story movies. And she doesn't really have that much to do re almost really at all in the third movie, which is kind of a bummer because she's such a charismatic performer. But she has a lot more to do in the heroic trio, which is basically this movie came out in 1993. And it feels like the Hong Kong answer to uh, Tim Burton's Batman and like the Phantom and the Shadow and... Mm -hmm. um, you know, like uh, like Mortal Kombat even, like there's just this heightened look to this thing where it's very obviously um, all on crazy sets. And there are so many like old wood wooden mansions with planks and slats and like shafts of moonlight, you know, shooting through the windows, even though it's supposed to be the middle of the day. And like none of this stuff matters. It's all just like dripping with style. It's very much a mood piece of like, um, you know, cheesy looking costumes and, uh, wild superpowers and just things that don't really make a ton of sense, but it all just like really works. And it, it works as this wonderful time capsule of like the early nineties and like what people thought was cool back then. And people are, you yes. know, like, these women are just rocking like incredible leather outfits and like, they all just look amazing. And it's, it's, they're, they're, uh, superpowers and so the, one of the characters plays a character named wonder woman and another one is invisible woman and another one is thief catcher and like it's not any uh you know based on any sort of ip it's just like 
made up in this totally self-contained universe and there are uh, newborn babies being snatched and there's all this um, mysterious um, you know stuff going on where this like Shang Tsung figure from from Mortal Kombat basically lives in like a a sewer under the the city and like is stealing babies because he wants them to become become the king of China and like all of the um the lore and all of that stuff is like uh, a little out there but the action of this movie is great and these women just look incredible and are like absolutely kicking ass in a way that uh, that is very very enjoyable to watch so if any of that sounds uh, up your alley check out the heroic trio it's it's really fun do you have any memories of this one BJ um, the heroic trio is the movie that I first saw. Uh, probably in college. Um, and I was just kind of blown away because I love, like, y- you're so right when you say, like, it's like that early 90s feel. Because I think about, like, when we were trying to make comic book movies during this time period and how they all kind of look like Charlie's Angels by way of Power Rangers, by way of anime, by way of music video. Like, that's yep. how everything looks in this movie. But anything that has three women just kicking absolute ass, I am on board with immediately and luckily it's three of the very best in the game so even with like kind of in hindsight like a little bit cheesy um like this movie i think shares a lot of aesthetic sensibilities as like barbed wire speaking of casablanca because that's also (laughs) barbed wire um it just hits a sweet spot for me of like see catching these movies um you know randomly on tv and being like what the hell is this and just being sucked into it this is a really good example of it uh yeah, I love this movie. I, I'm probably going to rewatch it now because it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to check out Yes, Madam because I that one was not on my radar before. So you're um, gonna lose your mind. Like, yeah. I, I cannot. Don't look it up on Twitter because the big fight scene ends up getting shared a lot. It especially after everything, everywhere, all at once. People were like, "You need to get on board with this movie," and people were just like losing it over that fight scene. <laughs> uh, so don't spoil it for yourself. Okay, awesome. Uh, so, oh, I didn't mention the the heroic trio. The we, I mentioned uh, Michelle Yeoh and Maggie Chung, but the other actress is Anita Mui, I think is how you pronounce her name, yeah. and she was um, she was in Rumble in the Bronx. I, I'm not as familiar with her work as I am those other two, um, but she was great in this movie as well. And Johnny Toe directed this film, if I didn't mention that as well. So, um, yeah, the heroic trio and uh, Super Cop, which is uh, Police Story Three, are on the Criterion. Uh, channel right now if you want to check those out and i think that's going to do it for today's episode of the show you can find more about all the things that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode slash home daily is published every weekday bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and tv as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site you can subscribe to the show on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please subscribe to our newsletter there's a link to that in the show notes as well send your feedback questions comments concerns and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashhome.com make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts if you can. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.